Hello, hello. I'm Lucas. That is Jeff. Yo. You're listening to Make Your Own Damn Podcast. Jeff, what's going on, man? Oh, I did. I mean, what's going on? The sun is finally shining. I am so happy. I know the rest of the country is probably like, what the fuck is Jeff talking about? It's like so far into June. It's been sun has been shining for so long. Hell, I think this episode's going to come out in like July, maybe. Yeah. Uh, okay. Maybe. Uh, yeah, so while the whole rest of y'all have been, like, burning up and just getting, like, scorched, up here in Portland, Oregon, it's been fucking cold. It has been in, like, in the 50s every single day for, like, weeks on end, and it's just now, it's just now, finally gotten into the 70s, and there's sunshine, and it stopped raining, and it's wonderful. And so now I am in the basement recording a podcast with Lucas about a defunct (laughs) DVD company from the 90s and the 2000s. Of course, this is our free conversation week, and we are talking about Anchor Bay Entertainment. Goddamn. Yes. Uh, I am frying my ass off. I've been frying my ass off for like... (laughs) two months because I live in Texas and um, apparently my brain is so fried. I went to grab a beer and I actually grabbed this. We can't see it, but I grabbed a tiny bottle of uh, champagne rosé. That's what you're drinking now, dude. That's That's what what you're drinking. drinking. Yeah. There's no, I'm lucky. I'm so, lucky uh, that I have my beer fridge next to me immediately physically next to me. So if I grab the wrong drink, I can just swap it out. Yeah. See, all right, so Anchor Bay Entertainment. So some oh people are probably God. immediately wondering, th- this is this episode is going to date us more than anything else that we've covered on the show. And it's uh, specifically yeah. going to date us in terms of being from a specific generation and a specific era of genre movie fans. Yep. And that Lucas and I, um, we're, we're, we're both born in uh, uh, 84. Mm-hmm. So we came... Elder you know, millennials. Elder millennials. We turned 16 in 2000. I think if you turn 16 in 2000, that makes you as millennial as it can fucking get. Because you came of age for the new millennium. Yeah. Um, that's how I always put it. But we were also of the generation that kind of had the real big... A home movie physical market. And perhaps, whereas like physical music has existed for several generations and continues to even still be a, uh, a uh, popular collector's market, I truly make an argument that our generation may have been the only generation that really of visual um, a movie television, physical media being a gigantic thing of, like, our touchstones of, like, coming of age. Huge. Huge. And and if you were a genre fan during that era, Anchor Bay Entertainment took so much of your money. I was thinking about this a lot. I've been a horror fan for, you know, most of my young life, but I don't know if I would have become such a super fan if it wasn't for... Um, two two things. One was uh, the website houseofhorrors.com, which we've talked about on this show before. And then, yeah, and then the other entity is Anchor Bay Entertainment. Like, I think, like, yes, I, I liked a lot of the mainstream stuff. Like, I liked all the Stephen King movies. I liked Freddy and Jason. I liked the Universal Monsters. But, uh, 
Man, I mean, Anchor Bay is the reason I discovered, like, Lucio Fulci and Dario Argento, and it's why I why I learned that, you know, like, yeah, Night of the Living Dead is great, but hey, guess what? Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead, they're also pretty fucking great, too. <laughs> and um, so, and, and it's also how I discovered the Evil Dead movies. Like, it's, I... I don't know, like, as a fan, I owe so much to Anchor Bay. I mean, I'm sure you could say the same. Do you know what your first Anchor Bay purchase was? Because I actually do. Ooh. I actually know what my first Anchor Bay purchase was. I am 99% sure that it was a VHS copy of... And I'm sorry, I should specify an uncut VHS copy of the original Evil Dead. Oh, good one. Okay, It's cool. got Bruce Campbell standing with the axe over his shoulder. Um, and I think there's like a dead guy coming out of the ground trying to grab him or something like that. <laughs> so I I know exactly what my first uh, Anchor Bay purchase was. I was still in high school. And in fact, I even looked at, I found this cool listing of everything that Anchor Bay ever put out and when they released it and i even double checked uh my release on here to be like am i remembering all the dates and times correct and i was like oh i sure enough am i was in high school and i was just starting to work a job and i had kind of money for the first time ever now keep in mind this is like high schooler amount of money working part-time in the evenings it's not a lot of money but it's like i have discretionary spending i do not know what discretionary spending is what do i do with this now Mm -hmm. so i decided the thing was i i like horror movies i'm gonna start collecting horror movies because lots of people i knew like had like interest or collections um like interesting things or collected things that required money to spend. And so in my, you know, weird kid brain, I'm thinking, well, I don't have a hobby that requires money to spend. I should have money that requires money. This is, this is really dumb logic looking back on it. But like I said, I was a teenager. (laughs) Um, And so I decided I was going to start collecting horror movies because I really liked horror movies, but as you kind of alluded to, I was not yet like a like horror fanatic. Like I, I would say like my favorite movies right. to watch were horror, but I wasn't really digging into all the various uh scenes throughout the world, all the various artistic movements in horror, um it, like in the US alone, much less the rest of the world, um the various individual creators. It was more uh, I was coming more from the perspective of like uh Oh, that, that was a good horror movie. That wasn't. I liked that one. I didn't like that one. And that was kind of as far as I was yeah. like getting yeah. into it at that point. I knew I liked some of the things that were a bit on the harder end. But once again, keep in mind, like I hadn't seen a lot of the hard, the actual hard end of shit. I mean, like, like, I really liked Night of the Living Dead, which is way more brutal than a lot of people remember it to be. I really liked Texas Chainsaw Massacre, yeah. which is a lot less brutal than a lot of people remember it to be. Uh, but it's still, like, <laughs> the tone of it is what makes it so fucked up. So, I'm, I'm going to collect horror movies. I'm going to learn more about horror movies. I'm going to collect horror movies. And my first purchase that I got on the cover alone, because I was like, 
that looks like a crazy fucked up horror movie was the clamshell VHS of Lucio Fulci's zombie with the decayed face with the maggots falling out of the eye. That was my first Anchor Bay purchase. And I looked it up that the VHS came out in February 19th, 2002, which was when I was a senior in high school. And I'm like, oh, oh, no, I'm sorry. Sorry. The VHS came out in 1998. The DVD came out in 2002. So the VHS came out um, right before I was a freshman in uh, in um, high school and I'm like that totally tracks with dates in my rem- memory correct correct me if I'm wrong but the the ta- it has the tagline underneath that says like we are going to eat you that's exactly right? what it says beneath it we are going to eat yep. you with that <laughs> decaying zombie head and the maggots falling out of the eye socket and teenage me was like yes this is this is what i should purchase this is this is is how i will start this is how i will start forming my identity i will collect things like this i mean it's perfect i mean i mean it really is in terms of the man i grew into be but it's like looking back it's like jeff this what the fuck you thinking dude (laughs) You're, 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 you know what? Your end result, which is you getting to watch Lucio Fulci's zombie is wonderful, but your mentality to get there is all sorts of wrong. <laughs> it's a little odd. Yeah. No, I, I, I remember it's a very, like kind of, it's a very labored logic I had to get there. Yeah. No, I, I totally get that. Cause like when I was buying all that stuff, like, yeah, it was like similar situation. Cause we're the same age, like just my first job. And I was just like, but I was still living with my parents. So like I had money to burn. And so it was just like, I'm just going to go to the mall. Uh, Suncoast motion picture company was the name of the video store in the mall. And, uh, I, oh, just, I remember that. Yeah. Which is buy horror movies. And, most of them were Anchor Bay releases. <laughs> um, it was Anchor Bay releases, and and like I think I bought like a Friday the Thirteenth movie every week or something. <laughs> so then after I got this VHS a zombie, it was one of my first full paychecks, if not my first full paycheck, as in like a two week paycheck. Right. Um, um, I bought a DVD player, which. My parents did not have a DVD player. I bought one on my own. And I remember they, amongst the first DVDs I got was that amazing special edition of um, uh, Fight Club. Nice. Yes. Everyone had that that brown two-disc. See, I had that, and then I had I had Seven, which was like in the Marble Notebook. Oh, I had that as well. That yeah. was one of my early purchases. And... I also remember distinctly, I bought the DVD player, I bought that Fight Club, and then I bought the, um, the, oh, fuck, I forget who put it out. It was whatever studio owned the rights to at the time. A pretty shitty edition of In the Mouth of Madness, Carpenters. Yeah, New Line would have been the studio. Okay, it would have been New Line that put that out, yeah. Yes, um, um, it has a ranking of the worst commentary I have oh. ever heard. <laughs> Where it's just on a movie. Carpenter and the Lighting Guy, right? Yes, <laughs> yes. It's Carpenter and the Head of Lighting, and every scene it's Carpenter turning to the. It's every scene it's Carpenter going to the guy. So how'd you do the lighting for this scene? 
And the guy just goes on and on and on about all the different types of light bulbs. And you know what? If you're in the lighting, this has to be the best commentary <laughs> ever recorded. Because I've never heard a commentary ever spend so long on lighting. So if you're in the lighting, man, I've got a tip for you. Get Seek out that commentary with Carpenter and the head of lighting on um, In the Mouth of Madness. However, lighting, um, I can appreciate the skill that goes into it, but when you get to that technical level, when you talk about different light bulbs, you lost me. I, I literally just don't know what's going on anymore, and so it's just a useless commentary for me. Um, whereas the Fight Club commentaries were amazing. Yeah, I seem to recall that as well. Um... So I now have a, I'm young, I got disposable income, DVDs are a fucking thing. Keep in mind, everyone, streaming and even illegal downloading does not exist yet. Like, people were not torrenting at this. We're talking late 90s, early 2000s. This is either pre or, like, right at the beginning of Napster, right? Um, This is right at the beginning of Napster. This, this is well. This is both pre and beginning of Napster. So, if which, people were downloading so shit, it was music, not movies. We were downloading individual songs, which took hours to yeah. download, <laughs> and it took dedicated keeping track of downloads and files, and also making sure that n- nobody needed to use a phone line. Um, yes, sometimes weeks to bootleg an album, like bootlegging a movie, was not a fucking concept yet. Well, I'm at least not on the internet. I was already buying plenty of VHS bootlegs, which I've mentioned many times before on this oh, show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was already well into bootlegging, just digital bootlegging, at least when it comes to movies, didn't really exist yet. And so, uh, we, yeah, we got to mention this, like, in our history, we got to mention uh, the House of Horror website. So houseofhorrors.com. Um, unfortunately, I don't think the site exists anymore. Like, I tried going to it today. Like, I don't know if the same person owns it, but it's definitely just a different design, completely different design. But basically, it was laid out essentially like a house. Like, you would be like... Yes. There were different... You go to the website. Keep in mind, everyone, this is the early days of the internet. As hokey as this sounds, this was mind-blowing and fucking awesome for, like, when Lucas and I were kids to find something like this and laid out like this. Yeah. And like, yeah, I mean, literally continue. what happened was we would just look up, we would just type in like, let's search for horror movies. And yes. this was one of the first things that came up, at least when I searched. Um, yeah. Yeah. And Same with me. yeah. So it's laid out like a house and you, you know, you click on uh, the, the vault. I oh, was it the vault where it had the, the, the top tier, like special, like, the vault was definitely a section. I do not remember what the different sections were called, so but I, I do know the vault was one of I them. do remember the bathroom had, like, the weirder ones, like Toxic Avenger <laughs> and stuff, and Killer Clowns and stuff like that. Um, uh, the bathroom was the cult section. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes. L- l- yeah, yeah, that um, makes sense. But uh, I believe the vault was, like, your basic, like, for want of a better term, like, I'm going to use, like, a super nerdy... Uh, Literate, literature major term. Um, I'm gonna say it was it was where uh, where the canon was basically. So that section had yeah, like Night of the Living Dead. It had like the Thing, Halloween, The Exorcist, Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, A Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, like the big 
big, big heavy hitters that, like, if anyone asks you, like, I've never seen a horror movie horror movie before. Where do I start? It's like, well... Here's your list. These, Yeah, here's the first ones. Figure out what you like from this and then get back and we can have some more recommendations for you. Which is what which is now what we're getting into, what made this site so amazing for people like Lucas and I. Yeah, because, like, in addition to those, like, he also had stuff, some, like, some of it even in, on that page where, that he would be like, you know, like, I know you've never heard of this, but this is an important film. Uh, he had Cemetery Man. He had oh, yeah. Dead Next I Door. Oh, Cemetery, like, you know, Cemetery he, Man because of that website. Yep, yeah, same. He had The Beyond. He had yeah. Holocaust. I mean, he was just, uh, had, like, just this, basically, it was this hub that, like, Oh, no, young... now, now, did we clarify, um, to clarify, a bunch of those movies that uh, Lucas just listed, I remember, and I didn't believe you mean to imply it, but it was a little unclear. They were not part of, like, the canon list. Then there were other rooms in the house. I remember oh, right. specifically, he had a, um, a zombie and cannibalism mm-hmm. room. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was, I believe that was the living room, was the zombies and cannibalisms. He had them grouped together. Yeah. And so you had Campbell Ferox and Campbell Holocaust on a list with, like, um, Zombie, um, The Living Dead at Manchester Moor. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, Dead Alive. And like, um, Bad Taste. Uh, Hell, well, Bad Taste was probably in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> Hell, of the, Hell of the Living Dead and like like those types of movies. And then there was like a slasher room that went like deep into the slasher movies. Yeah. There was also Italian horror had its own room and Japanese horror had its own room. And that was kind of my first time of hearing of like, wait, there's a Italian scene. Mm-hmm. There's a Japanese scene. And these scenes have their own history. And now you all may be wondering, like, Lucas, Chef, why are you all talk- spending so much time talking about this random website? And it's like talking about all these movies that we now know are all like super famous, globally respected movies. Because how we got to see them all for the first time is Anchor Bay put them out. Yep. Anchor Bay in the late 90s through the early 2000s, all these movies that we were seeing as young teenagers, the older horror fans talking about that they got to see, and also back when you know independent theaters could thrive and do revival showings of shit, we grew up in like the worst era of the mega megaplex theaters like fuck megaplexes now actually do revival screenings they call them something that i I forget what they're fucking calling them but amc does revival screenings but they have their own special name for the screening series i was just gonna say like i mean fucking museum of modern art is doing like a whole series on horror oh my god for anyone we don't have anything on recording about this um we, we got into this really last week off recording, but anyone listening, if you haven't heard about it yet, look up for the summer of uh, 2022 uh, Museum of Modern Art. It's horror revival screening series. I believe the it's series like, is called Messaging the Monstrous. Yes, that's and it's like 100 movies, and it's pretty much a quintessential overview of the horror genre, and it's fucking insane. Everything from Psycho up until like... I don't the know sadness. whatever was big last year. Yeah, the sadness exactly. The sadness is having is being is included in part of the screening, which 
awesome. Like, yes. the sadness is already getting recognized by the Museum of Modern Art, which makes me happy. Yes, and for listeners of this show, yes, they're even showing Death by Temptation, which is a trauma movie. Oh, yes, so. yep. And so uh, I believe, uh, I think, are those The Sadness and Death by Temptation, the only two movies we've covered? The, oh, no, they're also showing, um, uh, fuck, did we do a Hannah Lauder film? Uh, we did Frankenhooker. I don't know if they're showing Frankenhooker. I think they're showing... Oh, I don't know either. Fuck, I know I they are showing a Head and Lauder movie. I don't remember which one it is. Regardless, the screening is insane. Yeah. So the point being, though, that nobody ever was showing these movies in movie theaters. The only way that we could see these movies was in the late 90s and early 2000s paying... Normally $30. 20 if you were fucking lucky. Normally $30 to blind buy some 1980s movie from Italy that you've just seen some still images of online that look fucking wild and you just gotta know what is what is this movie? Or if you could buy it or or if you could rent it at Hollywood or block Hollywood video or blockbuster video, it was they were heavily censored. In a lot of those um, markets. Man, I worked in Hollywood Video. They never... Um, I, I worked at... Uh, Hollywood Video was my high school job. Yeah, um, same. They did not carry, like, Anchor Bay horror stuff. Yeah. I I never recall seeing it there. I am certain Blockbuster never I did. Know I, I know I rented Suspiria from Blockbuster, but I don't know how... Okay, I don't that's remember wild. how much... I'm really surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Because it's not even just like like gore, violence, or sex material. It's just blockbuster. Just like Hollywood video, at least gave lip service to independent companies, right? And did did work with some blockbuster. Really though, like really just never had an interest in independent company. Yeah, and I, I'd say independent. I should say like smaller. Yeah, whatever. It's very surprised that Blockbuster would carry a uh, Anchor Bay titles. So this Suspiria release was not an Anchor Bay release. I think it was like an old. Oh, oh, well, older. there's the explanation. Yeah, there's the explanation right there. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, Anchor Bay was where we got like the pure art, artistic, you know, vision of these movies. You know, so, we got- so yeah, let's. Re- Let's reiterate that for as mind-blowing as it sounds, is that Anchor Bay was the first time, for many of these movies, the first time that their uncensored editions were available in, like, the English-speaking Western world market. And not only were these movies uncensored, they were restored from their negatives, they had commentaries with the filmmakers. They had footage that was dug up from behind the scenes that was filmed and all this stuff is like very very standard now this was not at the time this was all completely unheard of and at the most you'd see like like behind the scenes footage of like major blockbusters like i remember when i was a really little kid like seeing a special on tv about like uh, like honey i shrunk to kids and showing on the sci-fi channel uh, um, yeah, <laughs> maybe, yeah. Um, seeing, like, like I remember a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids one from when I was a little kid. Yeah. Being, like, seeing how they 
corrupted, like, the bugs and stuff. Here's how um, we made the bugs. Here's how we made Jurassic Park. Like, it was, I, I but, don't know, like, I remember seeing see, specifically on the Sci-Fi channel. But then seeing, like, oh, here's people hanging out behind the scenes on a fucking 1980s Italian zombie flick. was just yeah. something, like, you never, you never saw. And it was fascinating to see. Um, and... And, like, the also, commentary, uh, man. Like, I don't know. Like, I'd never heard of such a thing. Like, just, you know, like, just, like, here's... Okay, you can watch the movie, or you can watch the movie with, like, the people who made the movie talking about the movie. I don't know. Like, I, that dude. blew my fucking mind. Same, dude. That's, that was what made me want to buy a DVD player, was yeah. literally that. I heard of this commentary, and the idea of, like... I can watch the movie with the filmmakers talking to me about the movie. Like that sounds wild. That sounds fun. Right. And, and of course I'm a total nerd. So I thought that sounds was like fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I will say when I do mention that kind of stuff to like non-creative people, uh, uh, they're always just like, why would you want to do that? And I'm like, why wouldn't you? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but yeah, exactly. Like, why, why would you want to know all the behind-the-scenes secrets? Like, aren't you curious? Yeah. <laughs> or even like, how did they do that? Yes, how did they do that? I would like to know how they did that. Please explain to me how you accomplished that. Or is that people like, uh, how they do that? Actually, I don't really want to know. Yeah. So we we could tell you. So, um, man, like. Looking over, that they found this their niche really fucking quick. Because when they got into the DVD production, they very quickly went into horror. And yeah. going down... Here, I'm just going to list off like some titles. These are all just from the first couple years of them. Keep in mind, everyone, these all these movies were getting their first ever... Like, well, I, I actually I can't say that for certain. They, most of these movies were getting their first ever DVD release. Um, many with having, like, the VHS was difficult to find. Um, we get Dawn of the Dead. We get The Step Free Wives. We get Prom Night. We get Hellraiser. Hellbound Hellraiser 2. Cue the Winged Serpent. Hmm. Evil Dead. Evil Dead 2. Tomb, Tombs of the Blind Dead. Return of the Blind Dead. Corey Mass in the Pit. Fantastic Planet, crazy awesome movie, Great, animated movie. Yeah, Demons, um, uh, Hell Knight, um, Night of the Living Dead. In all fairness, everyone did Night of the Living Dead because it's because public, public domain. But then we get New York Ripper, The Beyond, Zombie, Off Kilter thing thrown in here. But a movie I really like, Where the Buffalo Roam. Oh, the yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill Murray, Hunter S. Thompson movie. Very good movie. Um, Inferno, Suspiria, Don't Torture a Duckling, Army of Darkness. Um, I can just keep going on and on. Halloween. <laughs> all the Halloweens, pretty much all the Halloween sequels. Um, Chud. Uh, like, and again, these are all popular movies now, or at least like movies that are like considered classics. But in the late 90s, early 2000s, like, this was just, like, these were all... They, they basically were getting reintroduced. 
like to our generation. Yeah. Like they were not something that we had heard of. Uh, you know, oh, shit. I've just made a bizarre connection. I have heard things about like for our parents' generation when they did like the late night all night movie marathons or a more common thing, yeah. late night double feature movies, and they do revival screenings. And that was our parents' generation first time getting introduced to a lot of like the older movies. Mm. Um, our version of that was these niche DVD companies popping up in the late 90s, early 2000s because theaters weren't showing this shit anymore. Yeah. There was all there was no all night horror show to go see. Like TV stations also got corporatized, so this stuff wasn't. You wouldn't have a local horror host playing the stuff. Like, that wasn't right. happening anymore. We just had the internet to give us a little bit of a guide over what's the cool shit we're missing out on. And then Anchor Bay, like, just getting their hands on literally, like, every... If it wasn't... If it's a great horror film that wasn't released by a mega massive Hollywood conglomerate... Anchor Bang most likely did the DVD of it. Right. Like, I mean, they're not doing stuff like, you know, like The Shining or Rosemary's Baby, which are great movies and classics, but, like, you know, those those had major studio distribution, so they didn't need something like Anchor Bang. And they Bay. were also being taken seriously. Right. So, like, when those um, releases, um, ironically, The Shining, um, like, notoriously had a really shitty initial um yeah, yeah. dvd release like this the stuff was taken seriously anchor bay was taking stuff seriously that nobody else would for example holy shit that's right they gave the first um home home release of um in like several decades of the hodorowski movies and they did that's an right. amazing hodorowski box set which the current box set, which is now out by Arrow, which we'll be talking about at the mm. very end of things, um, is just literally a re-release of the Anchor Bay box set of Hodorowski. That once Anchor Bay did their Hodorowski box set, everyone else has been like, all right, that's as good as it gets for these movies. <laughs> and it's true. As a, as a massive so Hodorowski fan, those, like, those editions don't get better. Like, it, it just doesn't. So I completely, uh, I'm like going through the list that you were going through. Um, I completely forgot that they did the, um, the Sleepaway Camp box set that had the, oh the yes. it was called the Sleepaway Camp Survival Kit. Now there's okay. a bit of controversy about that, that I'm pretty sure I'm the only one who remembers. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so, okay, before you get into that, so, um, th this is a wonderful segue, wonderful yeah, yeah, segue. Yeah. So, uh, we already brought up about how, like, Anchor Bay figured out this market. And then what they st then started doing was doing, in my view, when it comes to, like, the DVD, Blu-ray, home video stuff, they're the originators of the OG Collector's Edition. Yes. Like, I would even say them more so than Criterium. Come at me, Criterium bros. There's no Criterium Collector's Editions. Like... I know all you Criterion fans are now shocked that I said that. Think about it. There is no such thing as a Criterion Collector's Edition. There is either print Criterions. There is no Collector's Edition. Anchor Bay did the Collector's Edition shit. Now, 
I really want to go into that because this is where the company started having a lot of fun with making money and becoming this center point for the for world genre of cinema. And yeah, Sleepaway Camp box set. Let's 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 bring that up. Yeah. So um, it's, I now, vaguely remember something. About so now this. you brought up that talking point, and I'm wondering if this was like actually legit or if it was something that Anchor Bay might have like done on purpose. Um, but uh, apparently, so they released this Sleepaway Camp survival kit. It's supposed to look like a first aid kit, and it has like the Red Cross like logo on oh, it. Oh man, yeah, I remember seeing that set. It's it's such a cool box set. It just makes me wish I liked Sleepaway Camp. I think you would actually like the second one. I'm just going to throw that I've out there. I've only seen the first. I've only um, seen the first. Yeah. Um, anyway, so it has the Red Cross logo. And then all of a sudden there's this, like, I bought it. I bought it that way. Uh, then all of a sudden there's this, like, controversy. They're like, we have to, like, pull these from the shelves and, like, re-release it because uh, the Red Cross does not Holy want us to shit. have their logo on, I do. Oh my our, god! I completely forgot movies. about this. Yeah, and this so they did had happen. to like reissue it um, because, uh, yeah, because of the Red Cross logo, apparently. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a copyrighted logo. People actually get in trouble for that all the time because people. It's so ubiquitous in our culture. People think it's just like a symbol, like a stop sign, and it's it's not. It's mm. actually a copyrighted logo. So yeah. I do not believe for a second that that was a publicity stunt. Okay, okay. Because because the amount of the amount of effort and cost that goes into recalling a product and reissuing it, and you're stuck with a bunch of product that you like can't use. And some of you are like, oh, you can sell it on eBay. You can't move like 50 million units no, on eBay. Not. And pretend and not expect somebody to notice. Like, yeah, like it. I'm certain that happened. But oh my god, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's just a funny so, yeah, little so, thing. So Anchor Bay, yeah, let's talk about their special editions, their like limited edition releases, because they had some cool fucking ones. I spent motherfucking fifty dollars <laughs> on the Hellraiser. And Hellraiser 2 uh, set that came in a, a limited edition tin. And you know what? I still own mine. And mine is signed to Jeff from Doug Bradley, which um, my friends as a nice present. Um, I don't remember why I couldn't go to this event. But Doug Bradley did a uh, speaking event, which I knew uh, some people I knew was going to. And I was annoyed that I couldn't go to it. And um, my friends abducted from my DVD shelf uh, my uh, tin set of Hellraiser, and they got in the autograph line for Doug Bradley, and they told him that this is for a friend that couldn't be there tonight, nice. and they got Doug Bradley to sign it for me. I still have that uh, that tin set. Yeah, yeah. I think I do. It's not signed by Doug Bradley, whether I have it or not, unfortunately, but uh, man, that's super cool. The, and also what's really cool is that it came with this like booklet of like yeah. interviews and essays and my friends didn't know if I would want Doug Bradley to sign the top of the tin or the booklet so they asked him if he could sign both which he did 
Oh, cool. Yeah, I so remember that my booklet. booklet is signed, and my uh, my tin my tin is signed as like a word balloon from a uh, pinhead's uh, oh, cool. mouth of like it's it's something to Jeff Doug Bradley. And then and then he just then signed his name on. It the also had inside. like a postcard version of of the poster and the it, original poster, which which doesn't doesn't have anything would, to do with people would not recognize it as no, Hellraiser. It's just it's, like it's, a devil kind like of a, thing. Yeah, it's like a, I always view it as like a ghoul type yeah, of creature. Yeah, yeah. That's what it looks like to me. It looks like an old school ghoul. Yeah, is what I always think of when I look at it. Yeah, I guess maybe I only think devil because like everything's like red or whatever. But so, um, so that this is a great spot here. So like one of Anchor Bay's first like going out into like limited special edition releases were these tin sets, yes. which were these tin boxes that were kind of meant to invoke, if I'm recalling correctly, is like our old grand. This is the thing. I don't know how much this context exists for people younger than us, but there was definitely a concept of like your grandmother having tin boxes of things, tin containers of things, be it cookies, be it sewing supplies. That was always like the cliches. Yeah. Usually Christmas cookies, I feel like. Yes, yes. Christmas cookies and a tin box. You still see them in big stores, but I, I think the tradition is just going away. But there was like this concept of your grandmother in tin containers mm-hmm. and anchor Bay did a play on that by releasing horror movies yeah. in tin containers. And they were very oddly shaped. That was actually always a big controversy in the collecting scene is what do you do with these on your shelf? Yeah. Cause they're very, they're big. They're really big, but they're square. You know what the obvious thing, what's amazing about this is, shouldn't they have been oval, you know, like a film container? And they could have been, like, marketed and presented like film containers as tin sets? That, to me, is the obvious fucking thing to do. Dude, yeah, Um, like a, like a, you mean like a film reel, like, uh, like yes. Yeah, yeah. Damn. That is a and you can even do the flat, the flat bottom, flat bottom to go on the shelf because you know that's what those containers actually look like in real life. Right, right, yeah. But uh, they, um, they did like a bunch. I, had, of, uh, I think I had a copy of Total Recall that was done that way. Um, I also but that know there. Oh, oh, I don't oh, think. oh. Uh, actually, I think that Total Recall may have been out in Bay. Oh, really? Maybe I'm looking at it was, up right now. It was like it was shaped like Mars specifically because the tin yes! place on Mars, but the tin was yes. A hundred percent remember that edition. Um, man, oh, 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 oh! I, I I just found it right here. No, that was not Anchor Bay. Actually, oh wow, it was not. That was actually from the main studio. Um, uh, but that that was a cool that was a cool special edition. Yes, it um, was. But um, so Lucas and I were talking about this in advance of the recording. Uh, we were able to find um, a list. Uh, we can find a list of everything that Anchor Bay has ever put out. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we could not find 
with some sort of de definitive list of all of their various special packaging, all their various uh, one-offs. Um, Lucas, uh, while we've actually been talking, I did find a list of every special edition. Oh. Um, but this still doesn't include all the special edition packaging, so it's mm. not a complete list. It just has of like what were the one-off, um, and that, that's not even accurate. There's other one-offs, um, but like it doesn't have the six packs incorporated oh, into this. Yeah. And we're gonna we're gonna get into six pack. Don't you worry. We're gonna talk okay, about the six pack, right. which I fucking love the six packs. Oh, and so cool. For, there's gonna be so many people right now. Like, what were the Anchor Bay six packs? Oh, they were awesome. That's and what you have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> but I did find a list of every special edition. And for the record, all of the tins where they did the Beyond, Candy, I'm not quite sure what that candy is, hmm. Evil Dead 2, Halloween 4, Halloween 5, yep. Heathers, Hellraiser, and Hellbound is one, which is the one I still have, I was mm -hmm. just talking about, Highlander, Let Sleeping Corpses Lie, Maniac, Repo Man, and Two-Lane Blacktop. Which I have no idea what that is. Uh, so Tulane Blacktop is like a, a 70s exploitation movie, uh, which we must, man, we, this is like a, this is like a weird, we've, we're, this is officially a pattern now, but like, I'm going to bring up Rob Zombie again, but there's a Rob Zombie song based on that movie. Um, there's, a Rob, why I know there's a Rob Zombie song about every movie. That's not, a, that's not a Kowinky <laughs> dink, Lucas. That's not, that's not memorable. There's a fucking Rob Zombie song about every fucking obscure drive-in movie out there. <laughs> Waiting for him to do the Marvel album, you know, where he's like, I'm, I'm not going to do exploitation movies. I'm just going to make nope. uh, songs about Marvel movies. <laughs> All right, everyone. The song's about Ant-Man. Let's go. <laughs> All right. I'd be, I'd be there for that. I'd be there for that. Like, All right, Rob Zombie. I think you're a cheesy dork. But, you know, I'm, I'm actually going to hear this. But, okay. Um, but that was all the limited edition tins. So these tins were... Um, about, I'd say, 150% the size of, or I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. They were 50% larger than a normal DVD case. Yes. Yes. So, which made them just perfectly awkward. And they had these rounded curves, and they didn't always have the name of the movie printed on the side of the case, which... Why? I have no idea. So, on my um, shelves, and this is like, I, I, I guess this is going to turn into uh, tidying up with uh, whatever that chick's name is. Um, uh, but uh, Oh, the chick that brings you joy? Like, what brings yeah, you joy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have no uh, idea what that's called. I believe. I've never seen an episode of it. So yeah. I... Um, I, uh, I, I, would, uh, I would always face those out. Yeah, I would, I would have... Make it into nice little display pieces. Yes, exactly. Nice, yeah. Now, I didn't do that. I was always trying to... Because I, I was, like, an obsessive... I mean, I'm still obsessive. Yeah. But, like... So, it was it was me more about, like, how can I contain... Uh, so, here's how, here's... so, all of these tins... I owned the Beyond tin at one point. I had the Evil Dead 2 tin... Um, I still have the Hellraiser tent. I had the Let's Leave Me Corpses Lie tent. Nice. And um, 
and let sleeping corpses lie like people should know that is that is also known as living dead at the manchester morgue you may have said yes, it under yes. that title um, and in fact i believe i referenced it earlier as the living dead at manchester I think so too. morgue <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, same movie uh um has the gnarliest tit pull off i've ever seen in a movie that's right that's right that's the crazy remember that's the crazy gore sequence they do in that movie is a chick has her tip pulled yeah. off her body and it's a gnarly scene it's a fun movie um, oh, it's, it's, I, a good, I it. um, it's a bit generic let's be honest a little but like i mean the thing is at the time and also when the limited edition 10 came out we were not in like like it just was not drowning in drowning zombie in the, yeah. the, the idea of a zombie movie other than a George Romero movie or Return of the Living Dead was a novelty. Yes. Like, oh, there's yes. other zombie movies other than those four. Like, it's things change. Absolutely. I remember actually same time period where I was buying all these Anchor Bay movies. Um you know, haunting the horror message boards, like me and my fellow horror fans just com like commiserating the fact that where are all the zombie movies? I wish people would make more zombie movies. And then, fucking, oh, we we all wish that, and, and that now all we're came like, back to the why bias we, What have we done? Like, <laughs> so now, um, with their limited editions, you, you mentioned about their uh, sleepaway camp. Yeah. Um, I gotta talk about my first personal favorite special edition, which. Uh, man, I, w I kind of wish I didn't sell it years ago, but also on the same token, it'd just be an object that's a conversational piece, yeah. and I don't know, I'm trying, not, I'm trying not to keep all those material things I don't need around these days. The Wicker Man wooden box set. Mm, did did you have this? That. No. Oh, I had it. This is how I first saw the Wicker Man. Oh, shit. It is. The Wicker Man was one of those movies that came up on one of those, you know, those websites. Yeah. As like, like this must-see horror film that was impossible to see. And Anchor Bay did a limited edition release of, it was the same size as their tins, but instead of coming in a tin, it came in a wooden box with a, like, metal latch on the side. Oh, and cool. the... And the it, the the famous image of the wicker man itself was burned onto the box with the name of the movie Wicker Man. You can look up images. I think look I up do images. This. Look up yeah. images of this. And I had it. It was literally burned into it. You could feel the divots into the wood for where everything is black on the front oh, of yeah. it. It's a, it is. is it's in my opinion the best home media re release of of anything. It's I mean that's just so aesthetically like in line with the movie. I mean uh, you know it's not it's one thing to do the tin because you know it's cool or whatever, but like this is like I don't know. I just picture what that meeting was like. You know they're like you know. Because it's the Wicker Man, how fucking cool would it be if we just did it this way instead? Wow, I, it's bizarre. I'm just, I just looked it up right now just to see that framework reference. I'm like, oh my god, that's such a beautiful set. I actually sold it for three times as much money as it's going for right now. 
So I could actually buy it back if I really wanted it and uh, make a profit. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? I may end up actually back with my own copy from way back when. Yeah. And but yeah, it's a it's I've never seen a home release. Now keep in mind, this was not like some limited to fifty thing being sold through an Etsy store. I went into like a mainstream big box store and bought a boxed wooden copy of the Wicker Man. A wood with a bird into and n- nobody for a generation had even seen this movie in the United States right right yeah cause I don't I'm trying to think when I saw The Wicker Man it must have been I feel like it was even later than that like I think I, I rented it from uh, I rented it from Netflix um, like they sent me the DVD of it um, and but, like yeah. there, there was also a little bit of like, um, I'm actually not really one for sunk cost fallacy. That like when I buy, I'd spend too much money on the limited edition and be like, ah, fuck, I was a lame movie. I got bought. I can readily admit to that. And I never had a problem with that. It's just like, all right, all right. All this means is this is now something I'm just gonna trade to another collector. Or, yeah. um, or I'm just going to sell on eBay. Like, oh, well, I didn't like it. I got to see it. Fine. On to the next thing. Worker Man, though, I had not seen. I got that wooden box, and I was like, what the fuck is this movie that's getting this packaging? Which I've never seen before or since. And then I watched it, and I literally fell in love with it on, like, it's my first time seeing it. It's one of my absolute favorite movies of it's so good all time uh, we should do an episode on it one day because i i do love the wicker man quite a, quite and, a bit and fun fact i always like to bring it up uh wicker man uh well what, what year did wicker man uh come 73 73 uh, you know what the movie's about climate change no fucking joke that's literally the yeah. whole fucking point of the movie we talked about is the climate on, um... is changing on uh, the folk horror episode, uh, yeah, we did yeah, and I believe I made my whole argument about that. This whole bullshit of people trying to politicize climate change when the Wicker Man is literally about climate change, and that's the Wait. whole fucking point of the movie. How many years ago is that now? Fifty. 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 Yeah, uh, r- roughly fifty years ago. It'll we be, have this horror movie next year. Wicker, the Wicker Man is a horror movie about religious extremism and climate change, and it's roughly 50 years old. Amazing. Nothing's fucking changed. We're fucking doomed. Well, that's because we haven't burned anybody <laughs> in a Wicker Man yet. No, no, did you not see the Wicker Man? That's the whole point, is that the burning won't fix it. And then next year, they're going to burn Lord Summer Isle. And the year after that, they're going to run out of people to burn and they're going to starve. Yeah, no, I got that. I was... That's the point of the movie. <laughs> all right, all right. Look, Lucas makes me not be political, so I got to stop. I, I don't make <laughs> you do anything. You do whatever you want. I, I, I... <laughs> okay. Well, apparently I'm not allowed to. I'm not allowed to encourage federal crimes. Yeah, that's that's Spotify. That's not me. And... <laughs> All right, motherfucker. All right, let's go on to another special edition. Probably Anchor Bay's most famous special edition. Um, and if it wasn't for the 
Amazing Wicker Man uh, wooden box set. It'd be my favorite one, but the wooden Wicker Man tops it. Let's talk about the Evil Dead Book of the Dead edition. That is Anchor Bay, isn't it? That is Anchor Bay. Oh my God! Yeah, I uh, I had the first one. I didn't have the second one because um, I uh, they did the second. I never one had the second. Yes, they did, the and I never had well, the second right? one either. Yeah. And for anyone that's like, what are they talking about? There is, if you're a horror fan of a certain age, you have somewhere in your possession rotting, literally rotting away, <laughs> a a rubber book that includes a special edition DVD in one of its pages of the first Evil Dead. And all of its pages are designed and illustrated by uh, Tim Sullivan, who was the head special effects artist on the first Evil Dead movie. And also, I believe the second. Um, I could be wrong on that, but I also believe he did the second as well. I think you're right. I think you're right. Which is why he did the two books i yeah, could just yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna look this up here to um yeah so that did you have that set i had the first book the first one uh evil dead one um and yeah like you've got i, I believe i think the actual like pages there's only like six of them correct and it's it's just a couple but it's, it's just i mean it's still cool like i mean it's still it's like super fucking got cool. like these it's the illustrations from the movie like when you when they open the book and 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 you see the demons and all that stuff like it's there it's all there um i this is like such a weird thing to say but like I'm oh i'm sorry i'm sorry it's tom, i just want to clarify i got the name wrong it's tom Tom Sullivan, Sullivan, not Tim Sullivan. You know what? I, I said Tom, and for the record, he also did Evil Dead Two and Evil Dead Three. He I think, did all. I think we're being Mandela because, like, I I would have said it was Tim as well. So you know. it, 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 um, it, it's Tom. Yeah, um, and he did, and he did all three of them. So yeah, yeah. Kudos to Tom Sullivan. Um, oh, also worked on The Fly too. Oh yeah, yeah. That's that that movie. Uh, that movie's on the uh, Does the Dog Die website. Um, yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so so this Anchor Bay release. Yeah, um, so it's super cool. It's got like it's it's the Book of the Dead from the movie. Like it's got the face on the cover, like and it's like three D and it's rubbery and it's got like foam on the inside. I'm pretty sure one of my uh, dogs actually ate my copy of it. If I'm if I'm remembering correctly. <laughs> So I still own my copy, and my copy is a long-running joke in my life to seeing how much it can de deteriorate, mm. because it did not technically use explicitly rubber for making the cover. It used this other type of artificially created material, very similar to rubber. But here is a fun thing about it. The material they use, technically, human oils is corrosive to it uh, so the more you handle it the more it starts to break apart and dissolve my copy is you can see the interior um foam which is m uh, much more durable than the plastic covering yes. that they put on the interior foam is pretty much all that's visible. Like, pretty much all of my cover has just rotted off. Um, and, and I still have my copy because 
uh, my copy is signed and illustrated in by Tom Sullivan. Cool. Um, I met him at a horror convention, and he would do uh, he was selling artwork, and he would do original illustrations with a signature for five bucks. And that's a it's fucking the, steal. It's the only time I've ever paid for an autograph. I own a fundamental principle: refuse to pay money for a signature of somebody. Well, because most I think of them are like bullshit. twenty or thirty dollars, not five dollars. Oh no, I, I just also just think the idea fundamentally of paying someone to sign their name is just bullshit. Yeah, bullshit. I mean, yeah, it's 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 complicated. Like, I don't I don't like it either. I'll, I'll be honest, but like I. I do know what when I see like a lot of like these actors or or whoever like they get brought to these cons and that's like literally like the only thing they're making money off of these days like I get that like I mean I I get it I, I get it it's because we live in a capitalistic system and you gotta do what you gotta do to make money I totally understand it and, like this is literally an example of me uh, not hating the player I hate the game. No, totally, and, totally. And so I refuse to take part in it. I get why people do it. I totally do. I, though, however, am not going to participate or play the game in any way. Totally. I have, I, I literally have never in my entire life have ever paid any money for an autograph other than the Evil Dead, Book of the Dead Edition. Tom Sullivan, it was, um, I was at Horror Find in Baltimore, um, same convention series where I first got introduced to, um, Edward Lee, Brian Keene, and Carl Tomelik III. God, Dude, did that convention, like, um, change my life. People, like, I, I feel sad that people forget about Horrifying because, like, I, I've oh never been, from what I understand, like, it's the only horror convention that successfully bridged the gap between, like, horror books and horror movies oh like, yeah oh yeah it, it was crazy yeah like movie people and book people were actually interacting like and it's just not same, a thing same convention that i got exposed to necro press for the first time dave from necro books was there yeah. r.i.p um i didn't meet him unfortunately but he was there and i bought my first edward lee book at that convention there. Cool. That same convention, I also, um, uh, Brian Keene was there, and there was this crazy table from some insane press called Eraserhead Press that had mm. cheaper books than anything that any table, you could buy three books for $20, which was the cheapest fucking deal of anything any table was selling at the whole convention, and they had crazy titles like um, Baby Jesus Butt Plug and the Menstruating Mall and Dead Bitch Army and the greatest fucking moment in sports and I was like, well, I gotta, I, I don't even know what this fucking is. Like, I, I dropped, um, I dropped eighty dollars on nice. books out there because I just had to get more. That same uh, weekend, I attended the um, uh, Lions Gates did a sequel North American premiere of an unknown movie and you had to show up just to see what it was it was a midnight premiere in a hallway and show up and uh i was present at the north american premiere unannounced of the descent oh kick ass dude 
That's awesome. They they did a screening of it because it um was like already screening in uh, the UK, but not premiere in North America yet. Yeah. And they did a surprise secret screening, and a room of several hundred horror fans, not at all knowing what they were gonna get, and we saw the descent and. That camcorder jump scare, you all know exactly this scene I mean. That, that, the entire room, like, fucking levitated Dude. at that moment. Like, <laughs> okay. My friends and I, we all went outside. We all got super fucking stoned and uh, got, like, like some drinks. And we're like, all right, let's go check out the secret screening. And we wander into the North American premiere of The Descent. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Her find was some fucking shit. Yeah, no, I remember, like, I've never been, but, like, I, I've been told, like, just crazy stories. Like, um, the author, Nicole Cushing, like, she was telling me Damn. about how, like, her her and her husband were, like, talking about, like, guitars with Reggie Bannister from the Phantasm movies. And, like, uh, and Ryan, Ryan Harding, um, was, was telling me about how he saw Jack Ketchum get backdropped by the wrestler Raven at one of these things. Um, <laughs> I mean, this sounds, like, horrifying. Yeah, I'm like, pretty horrifying sure was horrifying. It might have been another thing, but I'm pretty sure it was horrifying, uh, the, uh, the, the, the Raven interaction. But, yeah. So... Uh, so getting back on topic, uh, Tom Sullivan was at Horrifying, and I don't know why I had my Evil Dead. Um, oh, um, no, I don't know why, because I was about to be like, oh, because Bruce Campbell was there and was going to sign it. No, because that was a different Horrifying, and my copy of the DVD is not signed by Bruce Campbell. So um, I don't I don't know why I had it with me, I, but I did. And he had a sign-up of, like, $5 doodles. He wasn't selling his signature. He was selling doodles. And it was $5 and the old doodle. And he doodled a bloody dripping skull on the, like, I guess you'd call it title page of the, my Anchor Bay edition. And then he wrote, um, like, uh, to Jeff, lick the blood off my shovel. Uh, your friend Tom Sullivan, and this is no joke. There was nobody around. I forget what was going on, but there was some like really popular event for the convention, which everyone in the convention was there to see. But I actually wasn't interested in it, so I was just like hanging out and walking around the place. I got stuck with him for thirty minutes. I actually had to tell him like, I, I I'm gonna go now. Um, I need you to stop talking. I need to go, <laughs> and. He was explaining to me all the secret... He designed every page of the book. And he was explaining all the secret language and how he designed the secret language and what, all the inspirations for all... Like, this was all super cool. Super cool. But when you get around, like, the 20-minute mark and, yeah. like, the guy you paid five bucks for for an illustration, a quick sketch, is going on about the intricacies of their secret language that they... His, and it's like... I'm going to go over there now. <laughs> Super nice guy. I think he just wanted somebody to talk to. I think he was just bored and he wanted somebody to talk to and he wanted somebody that would appreciate 
the jokes. And he's like, I made all these jokes, and nobody gets the jokes. And I really like somebody to understand my jokes. So he's like <laughs> writing dick jokes in ancient Sumerian or something. <laughs> no, no, that's all, there's literally a whole bunch of like dumb puns. It's, okay. it's all dumb puns, and that's also what makes it harder to decipher of what the stuff means is because it's all puns. I couldn't tell you anything. If someone's like, oh, Jeff can decipher, I'm sure. As, as excited he was to tell me about everything, I'm sure somewhere online, if you truly care to decode all the secret language in the Anchor Bay release of the Evil Dead Book of the Dead edition designed by Tom Sullivan, it's out there. I guarantee <laughs> you it's out there. He was so willing to tell me for five bucks in the in the middle of the afternoon in, Mar- in Maryland, he's told other people. That's great. Um. So I'm looking at like this special edition list. Um, oh, we we've got to though talking about editions and re-releases. We're already hinting at it a little bit. Uh, be a little bit critical towards Anchor Bay. How many special editions of the Evil Dead and all of its sequels do we really need? That's fair. That's fair. Um, so let's see. I owned the. Uh, the VHS of the first Evil Dead that I mentioned, I owned a really cool clamshell VHS of Evil Dead 2, from yeah, a, also yeah, from yeah. Anchor Bay. At the very beginning, when they did the VHSs, they were doing them in those sweet clamshell releases, which were always so much cooler than the, the cardboard. Yeah. yeah, the clamshell releases always look so much nicer on a shelf. My oh, yeah. zombie edition came in a real nice clamshell. I I was always a fan of VHS clamshell releases. Holy shit, we are dating ourselves. Yeah, yeah, we are. Um, now they also had a really cool. I I I think I only bought um one copy of each Evil Dead movie. Like I I bought those two, and then I bought the Army of Darkness. I bought whichever Army of Darkness one had both endings. Yeah, I'm. I, I, I gotta be honest. At this point, I don't even know because there was so so many Army of Darkness releases, like, and they kept and they kept re-releasing it with uh, which ending was edited into the movie and which was included uh. as a special feature, and I think. I, I had I I waited that there was this um this gold army of darkness release. It was a it had a gold case. Oh, where, and like, where Bruce Campbell is like buff for some reason. Yes, yes, yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. It's buff. It's buff Bruce Campbell on the cover. Yes, yeah, and yeah. that had as one disc, one of the movies. Um, it, it was one disc. Uh. The movie is released in theaters, and the other disc, um, the way that it was originally edited and intended for. I think that's so the you had, so you had both full editions of the movie. That it wasn't special, like special features to watch the other scenes. It was two different versions of army of darkness that was the edition i had i actually held out and waited for it and i was happy i did because then they did that uh, one which ending of army of darkness do you prefer i oh okay um 
Oh, this is interesting. I don't know what's a popular version to prefer. I prefer what turned out ended up being the canon ending, the S-Smart ending. I like him coming back and doing the shootout in the grocery store with the Deadite. Yeah, because, like, so many of his classic one-liners come from those five minutes. Yeah. Like the hail to the king baby and, and like, it, it, you know, like, I mean, it's just. Oh, yeah, that's, that's her. Yeah, hail to the, yeah. Like, it's just without that ending, like, you don't get that line. You don't it, get, like. And also, I feel by you don't that get, point. No, she bitch, let's go, you know, like, you don't get any of that <laughs> yeah. stuff. Like, oh, that's a great line. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she bitch. That's an <laughs> awesome insult. I love it. I love it. Yeah. But no, I also just like it because at that point, um, the franchise has fully transformed into a slapstick comedy, and I feel giving the Ash character the shootout victory scene, getting the girl, is the satisfying conclusion. Yeah, I agree. Now, now Ash lost in time is nihilistic. And, and normally, it's still very nor- funny. Like normally, I tend to lean towards the more nihilistic things. Mm-hmm. But I feel, in the context of Evil Dead, of where the franchise went, that that ending, that loss in time ending, did fit in with the beginning of Evil Dead. But I felt the the shooting up, shoot up, shoot them up scene in the grocery store is more appropriate for where the franchise ended up in definitely definitely. and also it allowed us to then have a ash versus evil dead which was fucking incredible amazing show amazing show um which hey that's a weird full circle thing because like anchor bay got bought by stars and then more for the special editions um and this is the last thing i have for the special editions there's a thing that I feel that Anchor Bay does not get enough credit on, and it's popular popularizing, including a um, soundtrack with the release of the movie. Yes. And especially when dealing with niche genre films, um, like yes, um, like you know, uh, what's what's the, what's the fucking guy's name? Uh, John Williams. Um, wait, John so Williams. What, the, 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 guy the composer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's his name, right? Star like, Wars work... and Spielberg. And, yeah, 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 that guy, that guy. John Williams. Like, like yeah, his movies got, all, like, his scores always got releases on vinyl and shit like that, and they were good sellers and that. But, like, who the fuck was going to um, give you all of the uh, Goblin scores, Suspiria yes. films, as a bonus CD? That's specifically um, what I'm thinking of when you when you yeah. brought that up. Like I I owned yeah. the three that was disc unpro- that uh, was unheard of at the time. Suspiria release, like it was the movie. I had to travel sp- to multiple stores to find that release, and I had never even seen Suspiria at the time. Oh shit! But I was like, Suspiria is talked about everywhere. It's getting this big release. I gotta get the big release. I gotta find out what the fuck everyone's talking about and why. Yeah, the three and, discs were the. It was the movie, the special features, and then the third disc was the soundtrack by Goblin, yep. which yep. I wore the fuck out. By the way, like I like 
played that all the time. <laughs> and, and, and I ended up selling that because um, I personally find um, uh, Suspiria rather overrated. Um, yeah, I thought no, Goblin no, was no, really good. We I, I really about enjoyed the in, Goblin uh, soundtrack. In the Stendhal uh, Syndrome yes. episode, you, uh, you liked that movie, but you were not an Argento fan. <laughs> I am not an Argento fan. Yeah. Um, so that was a release I got it I'm like okay I saw it I don't really fully get it at all and then I ended up selling it and, and that was also a thing that's a key thing at the, like, it's, I don't think it's as reliable now but I could be wrong that at that time period if you snagged a limited edition and you didn't like it you could turn it around and flip it for the exact same cost you paid if not make a profit immediately yeah yeah. Like, this was the height of the home media collector's market. Definitely, definitely. But but now we have whole companies that are just dedicated to doing reissues of uh, soundtracks from obscure... A lot of times, yeah, just the soundtrack. Like, I mean, you'll get it on vinyl, like uh, Death yeah. Waltz Records. Um, that's the only one I can... I mean, I know there's others, but like that's the name. Unfortunately, that jumps out I don't to me the know most. the name of the uh, of the uh, of the labels off the top of my head. Yeah. But like, I had never seen that before, and I believe it really originated with Anchor Bay. Mm-hmm. This popularization of also taking the soundtracks, the scores of these works, under serious consideration. Yeah. Definitely. So uh, that was the last I had of the special editions. Um, there's no other special editions. Like, oh, they, they, oh, I mean, I was about to say there's no other special editions that really want that were notable. I'm like, that's not true. Um, yeah, they did yeah, the yeah. they did the amazing uh, bad taste limited edition. There was a really cool. With the holographic cover where it's yes. like the aliens doing the peace sign if you're holding it one way and then the middle finger the it. other way. Yeah. yeah. I had that. I, I had that. that. That was great. That was great. They oh, did man. all sorts of fun things in their releases, which literally, literally no, nobody else was doing. And how fuck this type of stuff we're describing right now, um, we're, we're going to get this in a, into a bit what people are doing now, but they still are doing that now. Like, I, no. we're not seeing, like, a wooden box set of, like, The Wicker Man with, like, burned-in imagery. Was Anchor Bay the one who did the, um, and I should know because I had it, but there was a, uh, an edition of the Blind Dead movies that came in a, a coffin case? Yes, yes, that was Anchor okay. Bay. That was yeah. Anchor Bay. I had that exact same edition as well, which then, um... So those one part of the limited editions, they also did their sort of collections. And essentially what they did was it was to move excess stock. That's why all mm. those crazy collections, multi-movie packages existed. That was shit they couldn't sell. Really? Yeah. I, I, I hate to break it to you, Lucas, but the Blind Dead uh, fa- franchise isn't that commercially popular. <laughs> Yeah, and I guess so you're then right. for doing releases of all four movies, you gotta have a way to package them to move out all this inventory. Yeah. No, I can and, see that. 
which then, um, so like the Blind Dead box, I feel like that was definitely Anchor Bay. Um, and they, they did like other, um, they also did, um, actually now I'm questioning myself. Was it Anchor Bay that did the, uh, Coffin Joe set? That I don't know. I do remember that set, but I don't. There was a really nice Coffin Joe, uh, collection that it was Anchor Bay. It was Anchor Bay. Yep. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, but then they did some really, really brilliant repackaging and stuff. So Anchor Bay ran into this issue that, so they're releasing all these obscure movies onto the uh, DVD market in the uh, English speaking Western world, in particular the United States. Um, and not all these movies are hitting. Right. Not all of these movies are turning out to be bestsellers, and some of these movies that were obscure are staying obscure. And so they ran into an excessive amount of back inventory. And so to deal with this, they created something called the Anchor Bay Six Packs. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Which uh, I, 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 I have to have to talk about these. And I actually had, like, some issue finding, like, documentation of what they all were. So, I'm not even sure how many of them were released. There was only a couple. But what it was, it was a six-pack. You can probably guess this. It was six DVDs. You got six DVDs. For a reduced price count, I believe if I recall correctly, it was $30 when they came mm-hmm. out. So it was $5 a DVD, which is, you know, absurd good pricing at the time. At the time. And they were sold in these, they came in this little slip, um, this little cardboard slip cover, which made it look like a six pack of beer. Yeah. And each movie got its own beer can on, yeah. on the side. So. And. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I didn't I didn't have all of them. I had the zombie one and I had the uh the animal attack one. I know and, there was one more, but there might have been two more. Okay. There was a um a exorc- um possessed slash exorcism slash demon one, and I believe that was all three of them. I wasn't a slasher one. I I think there was just three, but once again, I can't be um yeah. I can't be certain. I can't be certain. There was um the uh demon possessed one is called The Devil Made Me Do It. Oh yeah. Uh the Animals Attack one was Man's Worst Friends. Mm-hmm. And ironically, I can't find what the zombie was. It's called, but I own the zombie. I, I had the zombie one, and I had the um, uh, demon one. Those were the two I had. Oh, oh no, no, no! There was another one. There was a camp one. I just found. I had Elvira. I had the uh, attack of the killer tomatoes. I'm sorry, return of the killer tomatoes. Transylvania six five thousand. That's a good movie. And um. But yeah, so this is what we were talking about earlier in this episode. There's actually not a shit ton of 
documentation about some of these Anchor Bay releases and trying to look up this stuff is actually surprisingly difficult. Damn. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I knew there was a camp. So it wasn't a slasher one. It was a camp one. Was Did the camp one have Sleepaway Camp on it as well, though? Here, um, yes, 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 yes. Okay. So it was, it was called, um, here, one second, I, 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 uh, found a full list here. It was called Campy Classics. That's right. And I had Elvira, Return the Killer Tomatoes, Transylvania 6 5000, Return to Horror High, Sleepaway Camp, and Vamp. Nice. So, in other words, if you're a big fan of RuPaul's Drag, Drag, drag race this would be the set for you <laughs> nice um i, I mean that's exactly it it's, yeah. it's, it's, that, that's the can that's the campy ha 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 taking it literal and a little couple of slashers um no i still can't find the um man i can't find the uh, zombie one so let I'm me see super- if i can remember off the top of my head we had dead heat we had yes. hell of the living dead we had Let Sleeping Corpses Lie. We had, um, oh, that's only three. God damn it. Uh, and, no, and, no, and that's the thing is, I remember those three as well. Um, it was the, the only reason I saw Dead Heat was because of yeah. that, that six pack. And I thought Dead Heat was a hoot. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I had so, I had so much fun with that. Um, I don't know what the other ones were. And oh, I uh, Nightmare find... City. Uh, oh, AKA oh, City of the Walking Dead. Yeah. Um, I think City of the Living Dead was in there or Gates of Hell. Um, and then there was one more that I, I just, I'm just blanking on. It was actually probably, um, it was probably, um, fuck, fuck. I can't believe I'm spacing on it. Um, it was probably House by the Cemetery because yep. Anchor Bay yeah, probably was trying to leave that. That is it. That's totally it. Um, okay, so 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 we got two of the six packs, yeah. um, and then there was the, the animal. Um, the man's worst friend was uh, Black Cat. Rats a Night of Terror. Um, I want to say Zoltan was in there. Um, that would make sense. Yeah. Uh, Slugs was in it. Slugs, and yes. And so was uh, something called Parasite. Yep, Parasite. Which the image Moore's I'm looking movie. at. Okay. Yep. And, uh, oh, God, what is that sixth one? Um, oh, that's going to drive me nuts. Oh, um, by the way, they were not called the six packs. They were called the fright packs. Fright packs, that's right. Calling the Anchor Bay six packs is so much cooler. <clears throat> so I just looked them up on eBay, which I never thought to do. And mm-hmm. I have them all up right here. Ah, uh, yes. So, so we got the uh, Campy Classics. We already got all three of those. So the um, the... Walking Dead one right now. That's what it's called. It was called The Walking Dead. Um, <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> it had Hell of the Living Dead, Dead Heat, Nightmare City, City of the Living Dead, Let Sleeping Corpses Lie, and House by the Cemetery. So we were right. 
Yep. And let's see here. So, uh, so we uh, did the um, we we did the um, the camp the yeah. camp one. We did the zombie one, and that leaves then. The, let's do the animal one next. Man's worst friend, which uh, included rats, Zoltan, cat of nine tails, right? Slugs, the black cat, and parasite. Cat of nine tails is the one we were forgetting. That's an early uh, Dario Argento giallo for those who are ah. not in the know. Um, I, I I had forgotten that. Yeah. And so then the last one was the um, uh, the devil made me do it, which has Antichrist, not the not the Lars Van Trier movie. Yeah, no, that that it's it's a cool movie, man. It's like a it's an Italian Exorcist ripoff. It's got um, there's a scene where a woman gives uh, analingus to a goat. Um, <laughs> Yeah, hey, and it's I, got I, I a score by uh, Ennio Morricone, who did The Thing and all the uh, spaghetti westerns. Um, and it had uh, Fear No Evil, Hell Knight. Hell Knight's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Curse of the Devil, To the Devil a Daughter, and... The Church. And, um, no, it's not church. I can't actually it's read the it. Church. Oh, no, it's a church. I'm sorry. The image I'm looking at, it's just bad. It's a church. It's a church. Um, and I remember that, uh, oh, also I had forgotten, in addition to them, like, each of the movies having, like, its own beer can logo, it also has, like, a handle yes. on the six pack, which makes it, you know, vaguely like carrying a six pack of beer, but you're carrying a six pack of movies. Mm-hmm. I it's so dumb and easy but i think it's so cool oh yeah I, I i i bought it hook line and sinker man i mean <laughs> i got two of them and they then like disappeared off the shelves like people yeah, went nuts so, over buying these um it, so they also did and you brought this up i can't remember if you brought it up on mic or not last week but uh there is a a dawn of the dead four disc set that they did Yes. Um, that has theatrical cut, the George Romero extended cut, not the director's cut because George Romero prefers the theatrical edition. But, uh, yep, I, I, I was I was about to make that correction just in case he said that. Yeah. I'm like, the director's um, cut is a theatrical cut. Yes. Um, the Dario Argento cut, which is weirdly yes. like action packed and fast paced. I know not it's like, so bizarre. Uh, like like for anyone like, listening, if you have never seen the Dario Argento re-edit of George Romero's Dawn of the Dead, yes, that sentence I said is a real fucking movie. It's wild. Because also Dario Argento turns a kind of thoughtful social criticism gore film into an action movie it's like 40 minutes shorter than yes. like <laughs> than dawn of the dead yeah it's and crazy. Has, it actually has more action in it. it has action scenes that are cut out of the american version that most people are familiar with there's actually gore sequences you have never seen in dawn yeah. of the dead that are in dario gento's version yep and then the, I believe the fourth disc is all the extras, correct? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. 
Which um, that edition is now becoming like a weird holy grail in the horror community, and it's because in case like if you still get physical media, like I do, um, you may have noticed that Dawn of the Dead is weirdly disappeared from physical media. It's also disappeared from streaming. You can't see Dawn of the Dead pretty much. Anywhere, unless you're going to go through secondhand or illegal means right now. And it's because the uh, person who technically owns the rights to it is really fucking convinced that Dawn of the Dead is worth more money than it is. And so we're in this, like, really weird limbo pattern. Yes, Dawn of the Dead's not going to be lost. Something's going to eventually get worked out. And Donna Dead will be out on Blu-ray and it will be on the streaming service. I'm 100% certain of it. But as of right now, it's not. And it's been this way for many years. So, and if you have Donna Dead, um, here, if anyone listening, if you're looking to make a little scratch, if you uh, have Donna Dead in any way on physical media, it goes for fucking bank online on the second second hand markets oh, right yeah. now there it goes it for crazy one, amounts of money yeah the one i um, had it's showing like 90 bucks for this like, yeah 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 we, when that used to be everywhere it used to be everywhere you wow. can get used copies of it for 10 bucks and now it's 90 and um so i would my personal recommendation this is a jeff burke money tip um, I don't know how much anyone wants to take any seriousness in this, but I would say sell your Dawn of the Dead shit now while you can make money on it because I'm certain it will come back and all those prices are going to crater. Like, yep. There's, there's going to be a Blu-ray set that has everything that we just talked about, that fabled Anchor Bay set. It's just... Uh, just it's just a matter not of time. Out. Yeah, it's just a matter of time. It's just not out right now. Mm. Yeah, that Dawn of the Dead set was fucking sweet. I know that being mind-blowing, mind-blowing, that like Sick. Dawn of the Dead was getting a four-disc special edition. There's multiple edits of the movie. One of the edits is by Dario or Argento. What the yeah. fuck is this? Like, none of us knew. So, um, what, what, uh, is there any other specific Anchor Bay releases you want to highlight here? I think we touched on the major ones. We did. So, now you all may be wondering, like, so why are you doing a retrospective episode on Anchor Bay, a physical media company, and not about what Anchor Bay is doing? Well, it's because Anchor Bay was a, digital, it was a physical media company, and we turned into a digital era, and Anchor Bay essentially doesn't exist anymore. It's as simple as that. Yeah. It's um, sad, it's a really boring, it's a really boring end of the company story that it just all boils down to that digital happened, digital they, took over, well, and they got folded up through various, like there are several buying selling company mergers that eventually right. end up with Anchor Bay essentially not existing anymore. Yeah. I mean, they they very briefly uh, took to producing their own movies, like uh, I believe the Hatchet films, um, and yes, uh, and, and, and the the Mother's Day the remake, Mother's which Day we've remake. covered on this show, which is an excellent torture porn flick. Um, yes, 
like, uh, go back, check out our Mother's Day two-parter. Yes, please do. Um, and we, um, yeah, so they, you know, they produce those. Um, and then, yeah, they kind of, yeah, I mean, basically, like, their final destination was they got bought by stars and um, folded into Lionsgate, I believe, which is also yes. a stars property. And, and they apparently uh, still do some mild home release stuff. Like, they actually helped tying this all back into trauma. They actually, Anchor Bay and how it exists in its current form, actually assisted in the home release, home physical releases of the Return to Nukem High movies. Which mm-hmm. is uh, a funny thing of this all coming back around to the whole point of this show. Yeah. And so I wonder if uh, Edgar Bay will be assisting Troma with uh, Shakespeare Shitstorm, which is due at some point, I'm assuming, very soon to have a home home release announcement. Yes. But but we're, we're Anchor, well, Anchor Bay may be gone. Anchor Bay ended up not being sustainable on the scale it was in. Keep in mind that we're talking about, like, all of these movies we're talking talk about were being distributed in fucking, like, Walmart. Like, mm-hmm. I was going to bring up, like, Circuit City, but Circuit City doesn't exist anymore. Uh, Best Buy. Who the fuck goes to a Best Buy anymore? I don't know weirdo would go into a fucking Best Buy. Um, from what I understand, people only go there to buy TVs. Like, that's it. Yeah. yeah like, who's going to buy DVDs at fucking Best Buy? The, yeah. To put in relation, like, there was an era when fucking Fulci movies and Argento flicks were in... Walmart and Target, like yep. you could pick, you could pick them up there, and then that scale became unsustainable, and streaming, like, also helped kill it. But when it did give birth to, and I truly argue this, I truly argue that we our modern specialty presses, things like uh, Arrow, Vinegar Syndrome. Um, who am I forgetting? Severin, thank you. I knew there was a... There was, like, a big three. I'm like, who's the, the third I'm forgetting? Would not exist if it wasn't for Anchor Bay. Definitely not. Definitely not. And, and like, uh, you know, to tie it back to another uh, discussion episode, those companies have also picked up the slack uh, for companies like Something Weird. And, you know, um, uh, they're just... Uh, yeah, no, I mean... But it has become more of a collector's market right like, it's, I mean, it's become a boutique market it's yes. become a very niche market um as you said yeah collector's market it's no longer sustainable on uh mass public release it right. now has to be a thing just targeted towards to get dedicated fans and that's like we see things like limited edition slip cases um, like like all the limited stuff, all the limit, like all the limited things. That was all originally done by Anchor Bay, and yeah, they were definitely trying to make money off of it. But there was definitely an aspect of it that they were just having fucking fun with what they oh, were doing. Definitely, and they were making so much money at some points that they didn't need that stuff. They were going out of their way to be like, "Can we get away with doing this? Like this is serious set. Like, can we get away with?" doing this type of release with this type of movie yeah. and I was like holy shit we can um and now like 
that's what arrows entire businesses. Mm-hmm. Like, like, and, and, um, oh, I guess we, we need to also mention the transition, the transition company between all that, which was blue underground. Yeah. Yeah. So blue underground, um, was, I actually, uh, up until tonight, I, I thought it was a separate, um, I thought it was separate from, uh, well, well, it, it is a, I believe it was a separate company, wasn't it? But they're just like, they're like, like brother sister companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what I mean by separate is I thought it was like completely different, like not related at all. But like, I mean, they were, I guess a, a shell company is how Wikipedia describes it. Um, that sounds it was, right. Yeah, and it was owned by um, by Bill Lustig, who gave us such yep. classics as uh, the Maniac Cop movies and Maniac and. Uh, I think those were those were his big ones. Hey, he also gave us un- the slasher movie Uncle Sam. Don't that's forget. That's right. That's right. And uh, Vigilante, starring Fred Williamson. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, uh, but he it, it was primarily existed initially to um, to produce like, if I'm not mistaken, it was to produce like making of documentaries for Anchor Bay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. And then uh, it kind of. And I remember um, Blue Underground breaking off into its own thing, and Blue Underground was like, if you want, if you wanted to get like the DVD release that had like six hours of behind the scenes yeah. documentaries, Blue Underground was the one doing it, and they were doing it just on like re- ridiculous, obscure grindhouse shit and erotica and just stuff being like like who the fuck is giving a special edition to porno holocaust <laughs> blue underground that's so it. i think my uh my favorite blue underground release um or at least that i owned was uh dead and buried which is a oh fun, i remember that yeah uh, fun little obscure zombie movie from the early 80s uh, written by I, dan I, o'bannon who wrote yep. alien Yep, I had that. I had that. Uh, I had that same edition. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so Blue Underground was kind of like the uh, in between point from like Anchor Bay and like the really niche boutique markets that we have going on right now. Right. And and now, like, if it, I, I want you to know if, if you're actually a collector of physical media and you're wondering of like. Hey, why does this company only release uh, five thousand copies of this Blu-ray? That's kind of shitty of them. I lost out. Now it's going for hundreds of dollars on the secondary market. Aren't they obviously selling all money on the table? No, no, they're not. No, they're not. Because when you print up things like DVDs, we print print up things for mass selling. They come in order numbers because you can't just say of like. Oh, there's actually another thousand people that like that buy that movie. I'd like another thousand copies of inventory, please. No, when you're dealing with things like, like, like Blu-rays, home media releases, all the packaging, you actually have to buy it in bulk. And normally, you have to go from five thousand to twenty thousand. Yeah. And if your market's in between there, well, you need to err on having extra. Or you need to err on having not enough. And for most companies, 
in order for them to stay in business, not enough means yep. we can financially pay for everything. It's the unfortunate reality that the market is not there. It's not because your favorite now Blu-ray company is trying to fuck with you or they're trying to be greedy over their slipcases. It's because they literally physically cannot do that. Yeah, exactly. And we happen to live in a glorious time that we were teenagers with disposable income to go out and buy multi-disc special editions of Suspiria with the soundtrack <laughs> CDs and getting like editions that came with like fold-out posters. Oh, the Wicker Man comes in a wooden box set with it burned in. Like yeah. I cannot, I cannot like overstate how amazing. I, I believe that may be the best home media release I've ever seen of a movie. And just seeing how how cheap it's gone down over the years, which blows my mind. I may need to just grab one, uh, at least the wooden box, just to have up as a display piece, just because yeah, hey, I have disposable income again. And it's like, that looks so fucking cool. And man, though, Anchor Bay was something fucking special. I think it, it, there's a whole generation. Everyone that's in there, you know, like if you're in your early 40s to early 30s and you're a horror fan, there's a significant chance that your entire brain was rewired with a little help of Anchor Bay. Hell yeah. Well said. I mean, I I don't got any more outside of, outside of that just being like, yeah. yeah. Oh man, back in the days of having to go and remember, I just also re want to remind everyone listening that I don't want it to be too nostalgic. I don't want to be too much looking at the gl glory days of like a Shutter subscription now costs five bucks a month and to see each one of these movies individually, individually cost normally $30. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. Two of these movies was a full year subscription to Shutter. Yep. Yep. Put that in perspective. So while these releases were cool, and no, man, I miss the special features. I miss the special I features. I do too. I miss the commentaries. I miss the deleted scenes. I, I don't know why streaming services aren't doing that. Like, come on, at least with deleted scenes... We know, like, it's already there because it was deleted. It already exists. It's just deleted. Mm -hmm. can, can we say deleted scenes? And for the commentaries, we're both artists, Lucas. We're fucking attention whores. Like, yep. somebody wants us to sit down and be like, hey, talking for an hour and a half about this thing you made. Okay. Like, yep. yeah, what, what do we, like get the commentaries <laughs> back. I love, I love that I was able to actually buy a, um, a uh, Blu-ray of the sadness, and I had a director's commentary on it. Oh, that's and cool. That was that was sweet. That was sweet. Um, but yes, I don't want to be a little bit too, you know, you know, rose-colored glasses towards no, this era. Yeah, yeah. But and, and I mean, it's already mentioned like the financial thing. There was also a financial cap over who could be involved in seeing these movies. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you, you either had to have the disposable income, or you had to know somebody who did. And like, if you're just like a poor fucking poor fuck middle of fucking nowhere, you weren't seeing any of these movies. Now yeah. we can. Now we can. So when everyone like complains about the streaming shit, like I'm, 
there, there's aspects that's lost. There's aspects about that presentation, the marketing that no longer exists that I do miss. But it's so much easier now than it ever was to see these movies. And I will take that any goddamn fucking oh, day. Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean, it's just, yeah. I mean, I want more people to see this shit, you know? <laughs> like, I, I, I live in a podunk middle of fucking nowhere, Pennsylvania, small town. And no joke, when there was like some new uh, Anchor Bay release I was super excited about... I would have to drive an hour each way to get to the closest store that sold the Anchor Bay movie, which I then paid $30 for, which I had never seen before. So imagine for anyone listening to see a Lucio Fulci movie having to invest 30 bucks and two hours of driving time yeah. to see that movie. Ed, isn't that crazy, man? Like, we always... Like, I, I sometimes forget, like, I would just bl- blind buy shit, like, not knowing if it's good or not. All, all, all the fucking time, because that was the only way you could see the stuff. Yeah. Man. I mean, I mean now, because I got I got several streaming uh, subscriptions I fucking love, I can just put on the movie, and like, oh, I'm curious to check this out. Oh, let's see how this is. And then sometimes the movie's ten minutes into it, I'm like, nope, and turn it off. Sometimes that ten minutes in, nope. I spent $30 and dedicated two hours of my day to drive out yeah. and get. Unreal. And then you'd have to go back to it at some point later and force yourself to watch the whole movie to justify in some way the amount of money and time you spent on it. And then you still don't like it. Then you have to put effort into selling it to recoup the cost you invested in it so you can replace it with something that you might like because, of course, you haven't seen that other movie yet, thus repeating the whole vicious cycle. This is what us, like, this is, like, this is what it was like to be an obs, like, a fan of obscure and underground media. Yeah, we also walked, and, uh, we also walked to school backwards up the hill in the snow both ways. And it was really, really hard. <laughs> Is this me getting old man ranting? I don't know, maybe. <laughs> At least for all media collectors, like like they're like they'd be like, ah yes, those 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 were the thing is then you also like dug through the used DVD bins and then you like found like some weird thing like this got a crazy cover on it. So I'm gonna take home and check out and see. I'm trying to think of an example off my top of my head, but I'm really struggling to right now. Um, but like, like you end up finding like some little diamond in the rough mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's not the same thing when you're just scrolling through on uh, a streaming service. Right. Right. Well, once again, I would not trade it in the goddamn fucking second. All right. What are we doing next week? Oh man. I don't know. We forgot to talk about what we're doing next week. Didn't we? Well, it's tr- next week's a trauma, trauma week. again, man. Yeah. Well, fuck. We've been really good about playing this on the van, so we forgot this week. That's all right. That's all right. What 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 are we doing next week, Lucas? Um, I mean, it's your turn, but I'm I can I can. It's my turn. All right, I got I I got um I got a movie. I got I got a fucked up movie. I got a fucked up one for us. Yeah yeah yeah. Let's get fucked up. Okay, let's get fucked up. All right, yeah, we're gonna get fucked up. Let's do story of a junkie. <gasps> Damn, you went there. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, I went there. I went there. It's going to be fucked up next week.
Well, right. um, Lucas can see it, but all of you can't. Um, I'm actually holding up the DVD of it. I got the Trevor DVD with all sorts of special features. I have a lot to talk about. Story of a Junkie. I, um, w- one of its main marketing points, this is pure exploitation right here, pure exploitation. One of its main marketing points is you get to watch people actively shoot up heroin in the movie. They're doing it for real. Oh, I yeah. did not know that. Wow. Holy oh, shit. yeah, it's real. It's real. Um, I will yeah. say that the uh, the that's uh, what we're that's what we're doing next week. The uh, the cover on um, Troma now is like uh, I don't know the arm that is uh, taking that shot of heroin is just way buffer than on any junkie. I've oh, ever oh, seen. I, um, that, that's the back cover. Yeah, yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about that. Um, but yeah, yeah, this is a this is kind of a, a, a fucked up thing that this movie exists. So um, hey. All My right. pick. Well, hey, we we had we had we we had a uh, fun waxing nostalgic about Anchor Bay this week. So next week we're gonna get nihilistic oh, again. Be, what could be more nostalgic than heroin addiction? <laughs> All the kids are into um, what's it like oxy and fentanyl, fentanyl. these days. Yeah. Hot heroin is also nostalgic. 